Hey again, everybody. Consider this more of an administrative or housekeeping episode of the Egypt Travel Podcast with some major updates about travel to Egypt in the summer and fall of 2021, just in case you've come across this episode at some point in the distant future. Now, the first thing I want to let you know is that if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts or anywhere in audio format, well, I've got a surprise for you. This is actually the audio feed of the new video version of the Egypt Travel Podcast that I'm launching now with this latest episode. The video version of the Egypt Travel Podcast will be available in Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts shortly. But if you're tuning in right after this episode comes out and you can't wait for the new Egypt Travel Podcast video feed to come out, then just go to egypttravelblog.com slash videopodcast and you'll be able to find the video of me recording this podcast live. So if you haven't traveled to Egypt with me yet or done a Zoom call with me as a client of Egypt Elite or met me at one of Egypt Elite's in-person meetups in North America yet, and you're curious to put a face with a name, then just go to egypttravelblog.com slash videopodcast, and you'll be able to see the video of this episode. It's nothing fancy. It's just me talking into the camera and delivering critical and interesting updates on Egypt for the summer and fall of 2021 but at least it adds another dimension to you getting to know me and seeing a more multidimensional side of the Egypt elite operation, which if you're a client of ours, you'll know is very important to me and to our team in Egypt. Okay, so now on to the updates about Egypt. As international travel is opening back up big time this year, following the very successful mass vaccination campaigns in most developed countries around the world so far, Bookings for bucket list destinations and trip of a lifetime destinations like Egypt, and I'm sure other similar destinations too, are absolutely through the roof. You know, I seriously thought that travel to Egypt might start to bounce back in late 2021, but as of January of 2021, we have been slammed with requests for big ticket trips. Of course, my company Egypt Elite specializes in higher end luxury trips, which are often more affordable than most folks think, by the way. So the fact that even we are booking up for many weeks in late 2021 and early 2022, especially during high season, tells me that people in the West are really ready to get back in the air and on the road and that they've been saving up and that they're just ready to go all out on trips of a lifetime. Because, hey, I think this past year has driven home the point to all of us that being able to get out and see and experience the world itself is a luxury that can quickly and easily be taken away from us, either by a global pandemic like we experienced last year or getting struck ourselves by viral plague or even becoming victim to financial ruin caused by all this mess, as has unfortunately happened to many folks as well. Getting off the couch, out of the house and in the air to hit your bucket list travel destinations is more of a priority now than ever. And we're seeing that reflected in the huge spike in numbers of people who want to go to Egypt, reaching out to us to travel and have us host them on their visits to Egypt. Okay, so anyway, let's talk about what's going on on the ground in Egypt this year and more specifically this season. Right now, it's the middle of September of 2021, and we're just about to come out of what we in Egypt generally refer to as the low tourism season in normal years anyway, which is the hot summer months. Egypt Elite restarted our operations on the ground in Egypt in March, and we hosted our first post-travel shutdown clients in the middle of that month. We even had them on the podcast earlier this year, if you'll remember, to talk about what it was like returning to Egypt fairly early by most standards 
and taking advantage of there still being few tourists traveling to places like Egypt at the time. After that, we had a sprinkling of clients in May and June and July, and I myself returned to Egypt for the first time in a year and a half just this past June, and I spent about five weeks on the ground there. We had clients in the country then who were eager to travel and wanted to see Egypt despite the fears that many others still had. And it was a true pleasure to be able to be with them and see them and hear them say over and over again that they were just so glad that they came and didn't listen to the naysayers. There was also an overarching theme among our clients who visited Egypt over the summer that the experience was much more relaxed and safer and better than they had imagined it would be. Things in Egypt are pretty much back to normal now, with everyone in the tourism industry having adopted a new normal in terms of safety and hygiene. And they honestly look at places like the U.S. that have these 24-hour for-profit news channels that need to fill all hours of the day and night with coronavirus hysteria, and they just kind of roll their eyes, honestly. You know, Egyptians are used to dealing with that phenomenon because it was the same thing during the Arab Spring or anytime there's any sort of incident in the news for the entire region. American news is filled 24 hours a day with sensationalist coverage, repeat headlines, stock footage on repeat over and over and over just to keep eyeballs glued to the screen and advertiser dollars flowing in. And meanwhile, life just continues on peacefully and safely and normally in places like Egypt. So I want to give everyone a full report on my first post-pandemic trip back to Egypt this summer in June and July. Now, first, let me just clarify that when I say post-pandemic, I know that now in September of 2021, COVID is still a problem in many places around the world, especially in the United States, where literally everyone and their dog has access to the vaccine, but a full quarter of the population refuses to get it. In the rest of the world, people are gobbling up vaccines literally as fast as they can get their hands on them. So outside of the U.S., things are actually getting much better. In Egypt, the country has largely been dependent on vaccine donations and purchases from abroad, but they've been prioritizing distribution of those vaccines to healthcare workers, public sector workers, vulnerable citizens, and the tourism industry workers, since a healthy tourism industry, both figuratively and literally, is vital to Egypt's national interests. Remember that Egypt is also, how do I say this, a little authoritarian in nature, so it can mandate that people have to be vaccinated, unlike countries in the West that have to rely on the willingness of people to get vaccinated. So vaccination against COVID is mandatory and required by law for workers in the tourism industry in Egypt. And the country has already achieved 100% vaccination for tourism sector workers in some governance of the country, with all of the country's tourism workers expected to be 100% vaccinated by the end of September. So I would actually argue that places like Europe and the Middle East are much safer for people to be than in the United States, where a full quarter of us or more refuse to get vaccinated, despite the vaccines literally being available to everyone and their dog already. I wish my dog could get a vaccine. Here's another thing to keep in mind about the Middle East that many in the West don't realize. Sure, the region is gritty and dusty by nature of its geography, but 90% of Egypt is Muslim, and one of the requirements of the Muslim faith is that they have to thoroughly wash their hands, forearms, and face five times a day before they pray. Whereas in the West, we struggle to get people to wash their hands once or twice a day. In Egypt, the overwhelming majority of the population practiced thorough hand and face washing five times a day already just for prayers, in addition to hygienic washing before eating, and now a little even more for extra measure because of COVID. 
So that's just a personal theory of mine, but I've always thought that's one of the reasons that rates of viral spread remained relatively low in the Middle East compared to Western and non-Muslim countries, despite the population density of Middle Eastern countries being higher. You didn't have to have these huge public education campaigns about washing your hands and keeping clean in the Middle East because they already did it five or more times per day, more than Western countries, just by default. Okay, now back to the updates. As I mentioned, 100% of tourism industry workers in Egypt are expected to be vaccinated by the end of September, and the tourist sites have remained open this entire time, even if they had fewer tourists visiting them. Trust me when I say that no one has to worry about any sites being closed again in Egypt. They are not going back to that ever. They just can't. They depend too heavily on tourism and literally can't afford to see it stopped again, at least on their part. They'll also do absolutely everything they can to make sure that travel there is safe because they want tourists to feel safe and welcome. Now, despite the 100% vaccination rate among workers at the Red Sea resorts already, for example, they all still wear face masks and they're continuing to practice social distancing as a matter of both courtesy and comfort for everyone. And I would bet this will continue in the future for pretty much the rest of the year and into next year everywhere in Egypt, despite the progress and success of the strategic priority vaccination campaigns there. Okay, now let's move on from the topic of COVID that I know I and everyone else is thoroughly tired of hearing and talking about and especially dealing with. There's a lot of other really positive things that have been happening in Egypt during the tourism slowdown of the past year and a half and I'm really excited to tell you about all of it. First, the government of Egypt has been very proactive in using the tourism downtime in 2020 and early 2021 to work on some more development projects that had been long delayed or which were just proceeding slowly previously so that tourism wouldn't be too greatly impacted or inhibited. For example, they've built a lot of new highways and bridges, especially in and around Cairo. Now, this is huge for the tourism industry there because whereas we used to have to sometimes drive through local neighborhoods or through crowded small local streets to get to certain places or sites, now we're able to just breeze through them on new elevated highways and bridges over these congested areas. Now, some of this is still a work in progress, but enough is already open that you can really get a sense of how much Egypt is moving itself into the 21st century finally in terms of infrastructure. This new development is also preparing the way for the inevitable exponential surge in tourism that's expected, both when the pandemic finally ends everywhere in the world and when the new Grand Egyptian Museum opens. I'll do another episode on updates on the gym very soon, and I won't go into that too much here. But let me just say for our purposes in this episode that both tourism companies and the Egyptian government are expecting a huge boom in bookings and visits the minute the gym opening announcement is made. Now, here's some advice that you should seriously consider heeding if you're one of those who's waiting for the gym to open to plan travel to Egypt after that. Just know that you're in a bucket with literally about 5 to 10 million other people around the world who are also waiting for the exact same announcement and then planning to book thereafter. Have you ever been to a train station, for example, in a major city or even an airport in places like Europe where they don't announce the departure gate until about 30 to 40 minutes before the flight or even less in the case of trains? You know, in those situations, how everyone is crowded around the departures board just waiting for the gate or platform number to appear. 
and the precise second it appears, there's an enormous eruption of activity as everyone rushes to get to that gate or platform first to get in line or get a space on the train or for luggage space on the plane or seats if unassigned on a train or whatever the case may be. Well, that's currently what's building up with the gym situation in Egypt. Egypt normally gets about 10 to 18 million touristic visitors per year in normal times. And even during COVID times, it was still getting millions of tourists visiting. So imagine as soon as the gym opening announcement is made, which is inevitably going to be for when pandemic era travel restrictions come to a close or near close and foreign dignitaries can travel to Egypt for the opening ceremonies and events, not only is travel to Egypt going to bounce back to normal levels of more than 15, 16, 17, 18 million visitors per year, but there's going to be a significant gym boost to the numbers in the first 6 to 18 months after the opening date as people who've been waiting for that announcement rush, to use the previous metaphor, to get to the gate first. But what a lot of people don't realize is two things. First, they don't realize that so many other people from around the world are waiting to do the exact same thing they're planning to do. That is, visit Egypt in the immediate year or two after the new gym opens. Second, very few people, except us insiders who know the hospitality industry in Egypt intimately well, realize that the tourism and hotel infrastructure in Egypt is nowhere near caught up to having the capacity to host double or triple the number of tourists yet. The most significant manifestation of this will be in the hotel room inventory, I believe. Egypt is busy trying to build new hotels for foreign visitors, but they've also had to take some hotel inventory offline as well to make way for new building projects, like those roads and bridges I was talking about earlier. For example, the Le Meridian Hotel out by the pyramids, which was pretty crappy to begin with in my opinion, but still a major Western hotel brand, it had to be closed and will be demolished to make way for the new Giza metro station which itself probably won't even be open for another three to five years. There are a few brand new super luxe five-star hotels that have opened recently or will open in the next year or two, such as the new St. Regis property in downtown Cairo. But the other new five-star hotels are being built out in the vicinity of the new capital city that they're also building an hour and a half east of downtown Cairo, which won't help tourist visitors because the pyramids and Sphinx, which everyone has to see, of course, are 45 minutes west of downtown Cairo meaning those sites wouldn't be anywhere near all of the new hotel room inventory being built for the new capital city to the east. So all of this is to break the news to everyone that it's my prediction, which I think is quite a well-informed one, that hotel room inventory in Egypt is going to become somewhat of a very scarce commodity in late 2022 and all of 2023, which means two things. First, it's going to book up well in advance. And second, prices are going to significantly go up the minute the gym opening announcement is made. In addition to hotel rooms, the same phenomenon is going to happen to the best tour companies in Egypt. The good ones, meaning the non-scammy ones, and the ones that limit their available booking slots and don't just take anyone and their brother and subcontract it all out to others but don't tell you, the good ones are going to book up well in advance too. My company, Egypt Elite, for example, is already having to take some weeks off the market in 2022 because we're getting booked up now and high season, which is October through March, will be particularly scarce, trust me. So my best advice to anyone who is waiting for the gym opening date is to do two things. One, don't wait until even a few months out from your planned trip to book something with a company. Don't even wait until six months out if you can help it. If you know you want to go to Egypt at some point in the next two years, 
start at least preliminarily planning your trip now. Start thinking about the season you want to go, or better yet, the specific month you want to go. Start thinking about your desired itinerary, the sites, cities, places you want to be sure to visit on your trip. And then get an idea of the number of days you'll have available in-country. This last part is particularly important because I can't tell you how many times I get trip proposal requests from prospective clients through our website's Trip Builder feature, and people say, you know, I want to go visit the pyramids and the Sphinx and all the downtown Cairo sites, the two museums, the pharaonic treasures, the mummies, the tombs and temples in Luxor. I want to see Aswan, go to Abu Simbel and do the Red Sea. And I have about five or six or seven days. Or even worse, people say, I want to do all of that plus tack on an add-on excursion to go visit Petra and Jordan. And I want to do all that in about seven or eight days. Is that possible? Well, the big answer is N-O. No, it's not. You can't realistically do all of Egypt, and especially a Jordan add-on, in a week. Two weeks? Ugh, okay, we can work with that. But unless you're planning to take speed all week and not sleep, such itineraries and timelines just are not realistic. You honestly need at least a good 8 to 10 days in-country to do all of Egypt at a minimum. Maybe 7 to 8 if you're just doing Cairo, Giza, and Luxor alone. But if you're only planning to visit Egypt once and you want to see all of the major sites and cities, 10 to 14 days is more of a realistic time frame in order to pace the trip out moderately and not kill yourself along the way. Okay, the second thing you should consider doing sooner rather than later is to go ahead and at least get on the books of the company you want to work with for your trip around Egypt. As I said earlier, our slots are 100% for sure going to book up well in advance for the year after the gym is scheduled to open once the opening announcement is made. And hotels and even domestic flights are going to book up quickly too for that same time period. But here's the thing, you don't have to have all of your trip details ironed out to do a preliminary booking. You just need to know that you want to go at some point in the future you can just put a deposit down to guarantee that you're in the door with us or whoever you want to work with so that you don't get turned away in the future and end up with some scammy bottom-of-the-barrel tour operator. I'm not sure how all other companies do it, but we at least allow our booked clients to book with us without needing to have every day of their itinerary firmed up. And we even allow you to postpone trips multiple times if you like, and we guarantee that we'll save the slots for you on any future date without a price increase for the same itinerary if you're already booked with us. So that's just my two cents about what the Egypt touring landscape will look like for the next 12 to 24 months, and especially in the 6 to 18 months following the announcement of the Grand Egyptian Museum's opening date. Okay, so let's now talk about some of the new things that have opened up in Egypt already for those who need to go or are planning to go to Egypt even before the gym opens. The gym is certainly a highly anticipated new addition to itineraries for first-time Egypt visitors, but it's not the be-all, end-all. We have plenty of people who want to go to Egypt now, as in the second half of 2021 and early 2022. And honestly, they're still not missing much, even if the gym isn't open when they're traveling. For example, most of Egypt's ancient collections, including the Pharaonic Gold Collection and the Royal Mummy Collection, will still be on display at the old Museum of Egyptian Antiquities downtown and the new Museum of Egyptian Civilization, which we call the NEMEC, N-M-E-C for short, in South Cairo. Many people have missed the opening of the NEMEC because it's been overshadowed by anticipation about the gym. 
But the Nemec is another beautiful modern new museum that opened in April of this year, 2021, and which now houses the Royal Mummy Collection, or the real bodies and mummies of all of Egypt's greatest pharaohs. Except for King Tut, which is still entombed down in his original tomb in Luxor, and which you can see there in the Valley of the Kings. He may be transferred up to Cairo in the future, but for now he's still in a special temperature-controlled glass case inside of his original tomb down in Luxor. So even for those visiting now, you still get to see a ton of King Tut's gold, his famous golden burial mask, more hieroglyphic carvings and sarcophagi and statues and other artifacts than you'll ever have time to see, plus the mummies, even without the gem being open. So that's why a lot of people are saying, screw it, I'm not waiting for the gem to open when I can still see all of this stuff even before the gem's done. So it's just up to you as to whether you want to wait until the gem opens in the future or not. Another venue that they finished and opened up is an amazing new chic restaurant and lounge overlooking the entire Giza Plateau called the Nine Pyramids Lounge. If you'll recall, there are three King's Pyramids and six Queen's Pyramids at Giza for a grand total of nine pyramids that you can still see. And you have fantastic vistas of all of them at the new Nine Pyramids Lounge. Many people like to go over to the Marriott Mina House Hotel beside the pyramids for lunch with a pyramids view. But now, this new restaurant is a much, much better option and has actually much, much better views. Also, by the way, the food is surprisingly superb. I expected the food to only be mediocre here because they obviously have a monopoly now on the best view in Giza. But both me and my Egyptian friends who went there several times this summer were all impressed by how delicious the food was there. It's all Egyptian food, and it's really, really well done and is very high quality. The first time I went here was actually for a meeting with the restaurant's manager to kind of, you know, fill them out for whether this was destined to become some cheesy tourist place or something more. And I was really impressed with how they're running the place. It's actually kind of exclusive, uh, and you have, to, you have to have a reservation to even access the road that leads up to this place. It's the only restaurant within the Giza Pyramids complex. And there's essentially a doorman, or really a roadman, since you get to it by way of uh, a road, an access road. And he's the guy who checks the list to see if you're authorized to even go up to this restaurant. So it's not a place that's just letting anyone go wander over there to check out the views or take pictures from the best pyramids overlooking Giza. You have to have a reservation to get anywhere near it, and it's totally worth it in my opinion. After that initial visit, I actually went back several times unannounced to check it out again and again, and it always delivered consistent quality uh, in terms of the experience and the food. It was great every time I went. So this is one of the new gems that opened during Gems with a Small G that opened during the past year and a half, and it's going to be a must-do for all of our clients now to just relax and have an amazing lunch overlooking the pyramids after spending a couple of hours exploring them up close. Now let me talk about one more new place that opened during the pandemic times last year, and which was actually new to me this summer, and will be new to anyone else who hasn't been to Egypt lately. In Luxor, for years, the only truly five-star hotel has always been the Luxor Hilton Resort and Spa. Many people think that the Winter Palace Hotel there is nice because they've read stuff about it, and they get suckered into thinking that it's some ritzy, glamorous hotel. But in reality, when you get there, it's not. The only other decent hotels in Luxor are these three- and four-star properties that really just service the mass tourism groups. But up until now, the only truly nice hotel to stay at in Luxor was the Hilton. 
Well, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that a new place called Jorf Palace, D-J-O-R-F-F, Jorf Palace has opened up on the western bank of the Nile, just slightly south of downtown Luxor. Now, I wouldn't normally recommend that anyone stay on the western bank of the Nile in Luxor, but this new property is right on the water, and it has on-demand shuttle boat service for getting to and from uh, the east bank at any time. It's also absolutely gorgeous and a true gem on the Nile. It's very different from the Hilton in that the Hilton is a resort property with a spa and 24-hour room service. And although it's still very nice and unique on the banks of the Nile too, it's still a very much Western-style hotel. Jorf Palace, on the other hand, is a very, very locally flavored hotel in style and decor. But it's Western-run and it's very upscale and exquisite and unique. When I heard that this new place had opened, I made an appointment to go over to the property to meet the owner and tour the grounds and the rooms. And when I showed up, I immediately fell in love with Marina, who is the English woman who built the place with her late husband uh, over the course of about 10 years and who now runs it with her current husband, who is an Egyptian man, who is also a really, really nice, genuine guy. Marina, the owner, has lived all over the Middle East and Africa for about five decades. And she is just full of amazing stories from her time in Egypt and Morocco and Malawi and Jordan and everywhere else all over the region. And she's actually one of the most amazing amenities of this place. She's always around supervising things personally and interacting with guests. And you'll love her as much as I do now and as much as you love the rest of the property. Her restaurant there is under an outdoor terrace by the pool overlooking the Nile. And the chef goes to the market every morning to buy fresh ingredients and prepare the day's meals fresh. So the menu actually changes every day and is very local, very fresh, very high quality. I also returned here unannounced several times to eat at the restaurant, to try it out, to pop in when they weren't expecting me. And I was really surprised by how delicious and unique the dishes were here. I also stayed here with some of my local staff several weeks later. And I can tell you that the upscale, high quality experience I sensed was indeed consistent every time I came back here. Oh, and the other thing that's unique about Jorf Palace, by the way, is its architecture and decor. It is exquisitely arabesque, and all of the woodwork and decoration are custom. In fact, each of the rooms at Jorf Palace is distinct from all of the others. And they only have 18 rooms in the whole property, by the way, so it's more of like a larger local guest house feel, but with five-star quality. I'm actually in the process of switching a number of Egypt Elite's future groups over to this property, and I intend to recommend it and offer it to new clients moving forward, in addition to continuing to suggest the Luxor Hilton for those who prefer the Western-style resort and spa experience in Luxor. All right, there is a lot more to report and update you on now that Egypt has had a year and a half to make rapid developments and improvements, which are still ongoing. But alas, time is nipping at my tails again, and I need to let you go and pick this back up in future episodes. Don't forget to go to egypttravelblog.com slash video podcast if you'd like to get to see me delivering this podcast episode on video and maybe get to know me personally a little better in the process. I really think there's a lot of value in humanizing these things and building trust and showing you that I'm a real person giving you real advice on traveling to a faraway place like Egypt which I think makes a huge difference in people's comfort level in going there, especially if you're traveling with us at Egypt Elite. All right, everyone. Until next time, ma salama. 